Justin, how's it going? Justin, can you hear me? Just got to unmute you and we'll get, get into it. Excellent. Okay, can you hear me? I certainly can, Justin. Thank you. Great, no problem. Excellent. I appreciate you taking the time for us to have a chat. I appreciate you having me on. As you know, we're going to be talking about other things, uh, but specifically about um, muscle teeth. Yes, correct. And the reason I saw the opportunity in that is because it is an epidemic, and it's an epidemic that um, you know is questionable as to whether it needs to happen. But anyway, I'm jumping ahead of myself a little bit. Let's go back and grab a bit of a story about yourself. Okay. Where do you want me to start? Do you want me to go? Well, with, where do you uh, want to start? Well, um, I guess I'll go ahead and start with um, going into the training, I guess, when the, with the muscle tear. Um, so I was getting back into training after being kind of sporadic for a little while. I've always been, um, very, very regular training for years since I was about 16 years old. Um, went and played college football, played college sports all the way through college. Um, never really thought about or really even crossed my mind about getting into muscle tears with myself, seen them happen in sports. Uh, seen them happen in the weight room, seen them happen with just people training regularly. Um, so it was kind of a shock to me when it happened to me. And just going through my regular routine, like I said, I was out of out of regular training for a little while, but nothing nothing too long. So when I was getting back into the into the regular training cycle, I was training four days a week um, for regularly for about three months back into the swing of things, and, and that's when the when the tear occurred. So it was very shock and surprise to me because it never even crossed my mind that it could have happened. Yes, yes, it is a would be a shock. So give us your training background. Take us through life. Um, life as far as so my training, I started lifting weights when I was 16 years old. Um, all my training originally started because I wanted to play football. So. I was just basically going through your regular strength programs as far as what your high school coach would give you, um, and then going out and reading things and doing them on my own um, in my in my spare time and just wanting to better myself that way. Um, and then training always was really regulated for me all the way through college by a strength coach. Um, so I played college at the high or I mean football at the high school level, and then obviously played at the college level. I played at Division three level first. Um, got to play um, at a fresh as a freshman at a Division three school. Played there for a couple of years, and then transferred to a Division one school in Youngstown State University, and played there my senior year. Um, so I saw my training kind of evolve just how I was trained through strength coaches and football programs. Um, after I got done playing football, um, football was technically my release for you know life and things to, to just take away stresses and so that's when I got into wanting to really learn personal training um, and just taking care of my body and being able to change and adapt my body that way so it's been an ongoing process from that um, it's been I'm 38 now so I've been several years out of college and just continuing to try and learn and, and learn all these different methods and the way that people have trained um, I first met you at the um, the Swiss conference in Canada, um, 2016, I believe was the year we were there. Um, you gave me a copy of one of your books. 
I was reading up on it, and then the following year, I decided to take your level one seminar and did that, and um, trying to get ready to take the level two here as well, just with life things going on. So that's kind of the quick background of where I'm, what I'm evolving as is learning and training, and I find that uh, I think that a lot of the stuff that I'm learning from you is the top level um, from what everything that I've gathered in my life so far. So it's very interesting to me to learn all these different methods and learn all these new things, and um, that's why I want to get it, get input into why some of these things happen and if there are certain causes or not. I know that nothing's certain, um, but try to just figure out where where we where these things stem from. Excellent. That's that's important. So <clears throat> let's get to the specifics of the injury. Take me through the day it happened. What 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 were you doing? Um, so it was just, I was lifting arms. I was doing, I was on a four day split and throughout the week. And this was Saturday of training. So it was my final day of the week for training. Um, I was going Monday, Tuesday, um, Thursday, and then Saturday on the Friday prior to the day of the injury, I did do a boxing session with my trainer. So, um, and we, we trained for about actual boxing, doing some rounds, just sparring and things for about a half hour, 40 minutes of actual training time. Um, I woke up the next day on Saturday morning, was very, very tired, didn't really feel like myself, probably knew better than to go into train, um, but I was doing arms, so I wasn't doing full body or legs, and I wasn't lifting heavy, so on about the second set of my routine, um, I was just doing squat bench curls with the preacher bar. Um, seated had total was 65 pounds on the bars doing reps of like 12 or 15 and just felt the pop at the distal end of, of the bicep in my elbow and what was the easy curl bar did you say or straight bar it was the easy bar excellent okay um so what we'll do is i, I want to come back and talk about the mechanics of the injury but to complete the picture, let's talk about post-injury. What happened next? So actually when I, when I felt the pop, I was just like, oh, I don't think it's anything that big of a deal. It didn't really hurt. Um, so I actually continued to try and do a couple more sets. Uh, went into a couple more sets. And about two sets later, I was doing dumbbell um, hammer curls in the, in the next set and um, really felt it kind of move again pretty good. And then I started feeling the burning sensation in the elbow. So that's when I knew that that was it. I needed to stop. Um, so I stopped the workout. I had a burning sensation when I would rotate um, my thumb to the – the further that I'd turn my thumb to the outside is when I'd really feel the burning sensation in the elbow. So prior to the actual tear, were there many messages you think in, in the workout? Was there any signs that something wasn't right? No, I, I would always have a little bit of soreness in my elbows. It seemed like for the past um, couple years, whenever I would address it with, say, physical therapist or something like that, it was always just kind of talked about as like what you would call tennis elbow, I guess. Um, nobody ever thought that it was a there was anything leading up to to the injury that I had. And so there was some 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 in hindsight, there were some messages for a few years. Uh, when I think back, yeah, probably, yeah. Okay. Um, so what happened after that? Um, so after that, it was, that was on a Saturday. So I think, 
I went probably, I think I went a full week still just kind of waiting to see what was going to happen. Um, then on about the third day, I started to notice the real bad bruise around the elbow. So I called, um, so I called a doctor and they got me in and I got an ultrasound and through a sports medicine doctor and through the ultrasound, he told me that it was an 85% tear and that I was going to get surgery, that he was going to suggest that I get surgery. And he scheduled me with a specialist that um, is a, was an orthopedic that works with the Pittsburgh Pirates because I'm in Ohio here about an hour from um, Pittsburgh. And so they set me up an appointment with the orthopedic. I went up, I think it was two weeks after the ultrasound. So at this point, I'm about four weeks out almost. So I go up today to meet with the specialist. And um, at the appointment, luckily, they, they had an MRI um, centered in the basement of their office. So they actually scheduled me that day. They happened to have an appointment like 15 minutes after my original appointment with the orthopedic. So I go down stairs and uh, get an MRI and I'm in the car driving home and I get a call from that doctor, the specialist, and he says, hey, uh, the MRI showed that it's 100% tear. So I need to get you in for surgery pretty much ASAP because if we wait much longer than the scar tissue is going to make it hard to repair correctly. So that was a Tuesday. I was in surgery the following Monday. So how many months ago was that? Uh, the original, the tear was on the Saturday of Easter weekend. I forget that exact date. I'd have to look on my calendar. Roughly how many, how many weeks between surgery and uh, injury? Like uh, four weeks? It was four weeks roughly between surgery and injury, correct, yes. How many weeks since surgery now? Uh, I think I'm going on six. This is week six, I believe. And so, where are you up to and what's, what's, what was the prognosis as far as the rehabilitation time frame? Well, he, they, I'm supposed to go back next week for my follow-up, and I presume that's when he's going to start prescribing um, rehab. They haven't they, I wasn't allowed from, from after surgery through now until I go back, which I believe is next Tuesday. Um, I was told not to lift anything over five pounds. Is your arm in a cast or a brace? Um, nothing. He only made me stay in a, a brace for the day after. Right. So just like a sling. He didn't put me in a cast or anything like that. It was a sling and then just the bandages um, they took off. They were basically just protecting the the uh, incision. Right. So, how's it feeling at the moment? It actually feels uh, pretty normal. Feels really good. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't have any pain. I can still feel a little bit. Of, um, like if I try to flex my bicep, it's still the the muscle doesn't really engage much. And when when it happened, was there a visual hole in the muscle? As in, like, were you aware that, that, that there'd been a tear, or was it there was no visuals on it at all? Um, there was a little visual. My bicep didn't roll up the way that I've heard a lot of people explain it, that the bicep could roll all the way up yes. to the shoulder. Yes. It, it didn't do that, um, but you could see um, it went up maybe maybe an inch and a half, two inches at the most. You could you could kind of tell that it, that it went up the, the arm. And then um, when I did, so I was looking things up 
on online and it said to do the hook test. When I did the hook test, you could tell that there was nothing there. It was just like mushy. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk, let's talk about um, in your opinion, are these things avoidable? Yes, I think that they are. And how would you, in your opinion, how how do you think they're avoidable? What would you do to avoid them? Um, just the way that the training, the proper training, in in short term, just to give the short term answer of that, um, the way that the um, workouts are prescribed and the way that we do um, making sure that we're hitting all the flexibility points and every aspect of the way that we should be training. Excellent. I certainly agree with you on, on the preventability. And let's talk about the history of it. Um, you know, you're not, you know, you, I've got a few decades on you, so I've got a little bit more history. Not that, not that that's good, necessarily a good thing, but um, in your in your time, have you seen a change in incidence? Do you think, from from a, from an empirical perspective, have you seen a change in incidence of this of, of tears in general, muscle tears? Have I seen them? Do you mean do I see them more frequently? Yes. Um, yes, I think I probably do. I I, um, I haven't really been, to be honest with you, I haven't been too conscious of it to until it happened to me when I started thinking, and I'm like, wow, now that I think about it, this person I saw it in this gym or I saw it on this playing field and it seems to be happening more and more um i just didn't pay much attention to it because it wasn't a direct effect to me um to really think about it and and take much notice to it but yeah i do think that it's happening more and more so going back to the 80s i only off the top of my head i can only remember one person i knew who had a tear and torn muscle in the 80s um you know as in a significant uh, rupture from the bone and there may have been more, but it can't have been too many more because I just only remember one, and, and I don't really remember any others. And now, um, you know, I get stories every single week. It is, um, and going back into particular sports like uh, some of the, 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 you know, you call it football, we call it rugby uh, mm. in Australia. Some of the codes that you know, I'd never seen a tear in back in the eighties and even in the nineties, really. Um, now they're they're quite common. Um, so from my observation. Not only is the incidence increased, it's, it's just about epidemic. And if this pattern continues, then it'll just be about, it'll be a rarity for a person not to have a tear. It'll be like three out of four, nine out of 10 sort of people are going to have a torn muscle. Mm-hmm. So for anyone who's interested in avoiding it, and you know, I mean, I, I, every, time I, every time I do anything substantial, I'm conscious that I too could could suffer, but I'm going to do all I can to avoid that, and a lot of decisions go into that. Um, so I'm certainly not <clears throat> saying I'm immune to it, but it's it, it, not something that's uh, happened on my watch. I've never, I, I've never had an athlete tear a muscle like that under my supervision, either directly under my supervision or on a program working um, without my supervision. And, and that's so that's a you know nearly 40 years of of, of uh, the stats there that it just hasn't happened to the people I look after. Uh, so it doesn't need to happen. I know it doesn't need to happen, but it does happen. So well, let me ask you, well, number one, that's incredible to hear that statistic of yours that that's never happened under you for 40 years. Why, why do you think um, it's becoming an epidemic today? Yeah, it's, I, I'm going to go, I, I'm going to answer that question. I just want to like, 
let's say there's 10 factors. I mean, there might be more, but let's say there's 10 factors. I might not list them in order of, of sequence correct because we're, we're having a dialogue, not sitting down having a plan. Okay, I better shuffle that one down, three sequences. Um, so when I, when I answer that question, which I'm going to do now, and obviously that's going to form the body of our discussion, I just want to put the disclaimer in there that this isn't necessarily in order of importance. But Okay. Uh, the, the first thing I want to talk about is, is, is the role of the bicep. There's a big difference between the role of the bicep in the visual perception and the role of the bicep in sport. Okay. So, in my opinion, and I probably should ask your opinion, but in my opinion, tears occur when the loading at any specific joint angle exceeds the tolerance level of that connective tissue. And I mean, it's a pretty simple statement. So, in theory, the bicep is de designed to go through a, a level of elbow flexion. You know, there's nothing unusual about that. Mm -hmm. But if we change the mechanics of the bicep and then we assume that it's still got its function prior to the stimulus that we've been exposed to for, for years, that's when we get into trouble. So we all assume that the bicep's got full extension, of, you know, as in a straight arm or, or in some cases a slightly hyperextended arm through to full flexion. We just assume that, that, that what we're born with is what we've still got. But the nature of certain stimulus changes the function of the muscle so that at certain joint angles, we are no longer have the function that we once had because we've changed the, the length of that connective tissue. Now, in okay. your case, there's also a, another factor there, which which I think there was a little bit of wear and tear there that, that would have been developed over time, but we'll come back to that. So there was, there was an inflammation at, at your, at your, uh, at the, the junction, there's an inflammation at the tendon end, um, which you, you ignore the messages of. So, when you think back to an athlete for, let's say, playing American football, if you played American football and didn't do any strength training, mm -hmm. and that did occur prior to about 63, according to uh, Randy Roach in uh, Smoke, and, uh, Smoke and Mirrors, strength training in American football came around about you know, in the 60s, shall we say. Okay. But prior to strength training for football, what would be the role of the biceps in American football? Prior to strength training? Yeah. So what would the, what would the bicep be doing in American football? Like talk, talk me through like a, a needs analysis of the role of the bicep in American football. Uh, well, probably more so depends on what position you're playing in the game. Um, Good. If, if you're an offensive lineman, it's going to be used to push and um, – kind of pull the defenders back and forth. Um, there's going to be a lot of force there because you're blocking and they're extending. They're extending their arms out to, to keep the defender off of them. As far as um, skilled positions like myself, playing quarterback, so I was constantly throwing the ball. Um, so the, the biceps in the, in the motion of the throwing, in my case, that's why I was wondering if just throwing the ball constantly for years and years and years, if that could have caused any wear and tear in the elbow where that would have, because that's the, that's the arm that, 
that it tore on was my my arm that I always threw the ball with. Um, so that popped into my head was could that have been a, a cause of it? Um, and really, I mean, those are, as far as football, it's just those are the positions that that the biceps are going to be used in. You're either going to be throwing or pushing or pulling with with uh, against somebody else's body. Okay, so let's take two of them. Let's take we'll come back to quarterback throwing, but okay. we'll, we'll come back to, to the blocking role. Specifically, what is a bicep doing in the blocking role? What is the bicep doing? It's um, engaging in the pushing. So how's it? How's the bicep engaging in the pushing? Could be flexing. Uh, I guess I'm not sh- sure which way which which way you're going with that. Which how you're asking that? So what 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 is the generally speaking? What's the bicep do? What's his anatomical role? To push or pull. So the biceps roll in, 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 in flex the elbow. Yes, correct. And there'd be a lesser roll around the shoulder, like a lesser roll. It's still got a roll, but its primary roll is around the elbow. Okay, correct. So it's not really a pusher. It, it, it's an antagonist in the pushing motion. It's more of a, a puller. So, you know, there's some form of grappling where you're wrapping your arms or you might be throwing someone to one side, um, hugging them sort of violently, so to speak. Um, you know, it's, it's got a role to play, yes? Yes. Now, and, and this is obviously a discussion that people could have forever and turn into a debate, but how much would we change that function with strength training? How much would we become a better blocker through or grappler in that situation through strength training of the bicep how would we be able to to make that better would would be becoming much stronger in the bicep change the way you play in those in that position yes and why would you say that because it'd make it stronger to be able to to pull the way that we wanted to pull we'd have more strength to do it and it have more strength around the elbow Okay, so it's got a role to play. Yes. On the the bigger scale of things, relative to all the parts of the body, all the muscles of the body, where would it rank? Top few or nice, not so? Uh, no, I wouldn't say that it was top few. Excellent, good. So let's move on to its role in throwing. You know, say quarterback. What's the role of bicep in throwing? Extension. So how does the bicep involved in extension? by letting the, the throwing motion come through and extending the bicep when the arm follows through. So I, if we're talking about your right-handed thrower. Yes. You cocked your arm, your bicep is shortened, you're extending yes. your arm, your bicep's now lengthening. Right. Is it, is it lengthening um, eccentrically uh, or concentrically or passively? Um, it is lengthening concentrically, correct? So when you're throwing, your triceps are extender and your biceps yes. control and extension. All your biceps doing just for the most part, there is a degree of rotation involved from the forearm, but from an from an inflection position, the, the biceps are, are, are at best controlling extension. Yes. So they might be playing a mild braking role. 
Yeah. So we, we see the role of the bicep in throwing action as as is a really important one. Would I say that it's an important role? Would, do you think biceps are important, like a, a real big player in the throwing action? No. Excellent. Is Tom Brady's bicep buffed? No. Excellent. So we've looked at its role in two two aspects of the game, and then we take it back into the gym. Is the role of the bicep in American football reflected in its attention in the gym, or is there a discrepancy? Uh, I believe there's a discrepancy. Excellent. And I believe that discrepancy exists in, in overwhelmingly majority of sports because, in, in, in all fairness, the flexion of the bicep is a sign of strength. Look at me. You're like the, the sign of the arms are, 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 are our sort of our, our billboard for a male. Look how buffed I am. And they're overrated in the gym. Yes, I would agree. And that goes through so many sorts because you know it's 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 a it's a confusion between what's the perception of I look strong and what's the strength that I need for my sport. So the risk that you run if you de if you develop anything that's not related to your sport, you, in, in addition to lost opportunity, you have increased injury potential because it's not being developed in a need reflective of the sport. So okay. to put to put a long story short. If I strengthen a muscle, I run the risk of shortening it. Now, this point has been completely missed in the politically correct world where people are being told the myth that, you know, strengthening, sorry, stretching is bad. The bottom line is strength training is one of the most aggressive shorteners of connective tissue on the planet. If you want to shorten your muscle, go and do strength training. Right. And if you want to shorten it even further, don't use full range movements. So if you want to go and do chin-ups and not stretch, as is is quite popular in certain um, in certain uh, schools, without naming the schools, and I'm not talking about colleges, I'm talking about training um, companies. Mm -hmm. If you want to do chin-ups and not fully stretch your arms, not fully extend. If you want to do bicep and not fully stretch, you're taking the most shortening activity on the planet, and then you're exacerbating the situation by not using full range. So the first problem is more bicep strengthening than is needed in the sport. And this is epidemic globally because everyone thinks that if they can fill out their T-shirts better in the arms, they'll be a better athlete. That's bullshit. Number two, non-full range movements in the bicep. I would suggest that most tears occur at the, at, at the, at the fuller length of the bicep, near full extension. It is okay. because the bicep can no longer tolerate that range. It's end of range, and you're loading it incredibly. It's, it's, it used to be end of range. It's now beyond end of range, and you're loading it. So we've got a real problem with anybody who doesn't use full range movement. So before I get on to, to the third one, I'm going to summarize. As an athlete, you need to minimize your bicep flexion work, full stop. It is not relevant. Now, okay. this, this was a lot easier in the days when people took Olympic lifting seriously. Have you ever had the experience where you're catching a clean on your shoulders, you're racking on your shoulders, and you're struggling to keep your arms on the bar because you, you, your upper arm's too big? 
Yes, that's my yes, me personally actually. I could never get I can't get into a like a a cleaner say front squat rack position easily at all. I can tell you now, anybody who can't do that has overdeveloped their biceps. And I'm talking about the majority of sports. I'm not talking about every sport, so some idiot on the internet is some troll is gonna come out with some bullshit sport where they're gonna show me that that's not true. I'm making a generalization. If you're an athlete in the majority of sports and you can't rack the bar on a clean because your upper arm's too big, you have overdeveloped your upper arms, full stop. Now, in the days when where people are a little bit more, um, how do we say, more attention to detail, that's a nice way of saying it. You know, when orthodox principles were applied more liberally in sport preparation, you would not have been allowed to develop your biceps if you couldn't catch the bar on the clean. That makes sense? Yeah, that makes sense. And I don't, when I, I'm going to back up one second, I don't know that my, um, that I meant that my biceps are too big to get me under acquisition. Mine could also be um, shoulder mobility. Well, yeah, it, it could be anything, but it, it, you've got both ends of the bicep involved. Yes. So, so that was a, that was a, something that was existent. In, now, these days, the, the, the technical awareness in Olympic lifting has been thrown so far out the window that no one gives a rat's ass about such a minor detail. They, they don't even bother about half the other things that we, you know, we used to look at. So no surprise as far as um, just too much time spent in, in, in the bicep. Um, training. Now, as, as far as the range of movement goes, you, you know, if you use full range of movement in a bicep curl, it really limits the amount of weight you're going to use. And in, in the misguided world where there's a belief between the load you displace in the gym is a measurement of athletic success, then that gets thrown out the window. And there is there is no such that I, I only I'm not in a, a person who uses there's no research crap crap crap. But I'm telling you, there is nothing that would indicate scientifically empirically that if you could bicep cool more you're going to be a better athlete yeah i would agree with that so there's no correlation so why would you compromise the length of your, your connective tissue in this case your, your elbow flexors for for a totally irrelevant load displacement i mean the ability to, to displace load in the gym and, and be a good athlete is there's nothing they're, they're irrelevant just about now let's go on to our third contributor Stretching. Now, if you agree that the strength training is one of the greatest connective tissue shorteners, and obviously people will crap on, yeah, no, it isn't, Ian. And if I use full range movement, it'll it'll retain my range. Rubbish, rubbish, rubbish. You know, we're in a world where um, there's been a decline in the application of, of flexibility training since the mid '90s, when someone came up with um, the story that you it was bad for you, it was going to make you weak, it was going to do this, it was going to do that. I mean. Uh, let, let's just cut to the chase. They're not selling you anything with flexibility, so they can't. You can't do it. If you spend one third to one half of your training time doing stretching, and you're not using a, a device that you bought from a manufacturer or distributor, you can't do that. You're not allowed to, because someone's not making money out of you. You're right. only going to train using stuff that people are going to make money out of you. So th that, that's, in my opinion, the reason why flexibility training has been discouraged. And the price being paid by the athletes like you're in a you're engaging in strength training the, the greatest muscle strengthener on the planet and you're not stretching like good luck now right. if, if you're just going to walk around the street and scratch your head and flex your biceps and point you know point point in the direction give give a give a good looking girl a direction you know how to walk down the street and flex your biceps i mean that's all you're doing fantastic shorten your biceps and make them as big as you want 
But if you're involved in sport, especially contact sport, and you've shortened your bicep, you are going to tear it. That's Makes just, sense. That's just your bicep. I haven't got him going into your chest and all those other areas where people are also have, having tears quite commonly now. So there are my big three. So without having seen your body, Justin, I, I obviously I haven't seen your body, mm-hmm. but I've got some question marks over the volume of a bicep training you've done historically. Has it relevant to your sport? Secondly, have you been using full range or have you shortened your bicep over and above the excessive volume that you may have engaged in? Because the excessive volume has shortened it already. Then have you? made it worse by not using full range and then thirdly how much stretching have you done relative to it now on the third point if you have any niggle whatsoever at a joint that's a message you're not stretching enough one of the biggest in in strength training is forearm ache and elbow elbow soreness like they're just massive messages that you're not stretching enough and people go and rub an ultrasound on it or something like that and hope that's going to solve it it's not going to solve it so I can tell you that when I would go get deep tissue massages, when the when the massage therapist would work on my forearms, I would be almost in tears. Absolutely. And in the forearms are involved in everything in strength training. There's very little in strength training that, in the upper body that is not forearm related. So if you don't spend a substantial time stretching, say, your forearms, you're in trouble because your forearms connect over the elbows. And even if it wasn't your bicep, the shortening of the forearms is going to affect all muscles connecting at the bicep junction. But of, of course, you know, everyone's got shortening the bicep as well. So the, the effort to service the body is not there in strength training. The perception that my body is a machine that is obliged to work for me, irrelevant of the abuse that I pile upon it, is the reason why people, are, are, the body is saying, yeah, stuff you, I'm going to rip it off the bone because you're not listening to me. Mm-hmm. So the tough thing about injuries like this is if the, if the lesson isn't taken, then, I can, then you can expect more of the same. And the lesson is that you abused your body, uh, full stop. And it's not right or wrong. There's a time and a place for everything. You know, I'm not into black and white. But if you don't accept that at some point in time you, you, you abuse your body and you fail to service your body, then you're either going to do it again on the same one, do it on the other side, do it on another muscle, and or do it with someone else. Right. And this is a tough pill to swallow. I, I, I was working, uh, I was consulting to a, uh, a team in, um, in uh, South Africa, and uh, one of the biggest, most best-looking physiques in the team, in fact, almost in the game, um, he was like a bodybuilder physique, and there's, that's a concern straight away. Um, tore his bicep, you know, in, in, in contact sports, similar to American football. And uh, I raised the question with the, with the, the strength coach, like, why do you reckon that's happened? And, and the attitude was, well, you know, that's the game. And I said, no, it's not the game. You know, if they hadn't been in the gym, it wouldn't have happened. And not to just be in the gym, but the way they conducted in the gym, like the bicep size was irrelevant to the sport. The range would have been limited and the stretching would have been non-existent. So good luck. You're going to tear your bicep. Right. But it's the, the failure to take the lesson. Um, so when I asked you that in our earlier email exchange, um, you know, there's some it's a great lesson in there. You know, as a, just testing a pulse to see what the lesson is. Um, you know, I, I, I'm rightly or wrongly, I, might, I, I, I sense the hint of reluctance to take the lesson, and that's why we're having this chat. And that's not unusual. I, I gave that example back in uh, some 10 years ago or more. Um, a, a, a 
American strength coach, similar age to yourself, with, or maybe a bit young, I'm not sure, but you know, came to me with a, a ruptured ACL and I, I, I sought to help them understand the lesson and they just um, refused to, to take the lesson. And the sad thing about that case was that within a year or so, they were marketing themselves as an expert on needs, providing bulletproof solu uh, solutions. And, you know, this is why the world is not having a reduction in injuries, having an increase in injury, because when injuries occur, if you don't understand why the injury occurred and you provide a solution that's not accurate, nothing's going to change and we're in the same with acls now or even worse um, so I'm, I'm just hoping that there's a lot of lessons that you can take from this and share it with others well yes 100 percent. i could I'm, I'm definitely uh just even learning just from our discussion here over the last 20 minutes um <clears throat> it's definitely intriguing and, and just wants me to make sure that i do all the preventative measures to make sure that never happened again or like you said happens on the other arm so I'll be very interested to go back to see um, I have no idea and I'm sure you probably know what type of um, rehab they'll prescribe to start to um, rehabilitate the, the arm well that's a discussion in itself because generally speaking the main concern of an orthopedic surgeon and this generally speaking is to protect the integrity of the surgery mm -hmm. so they don't always, and I'm, I'm making a generalization here, they don't always value the full range return. Whereas my attitude is if you lose range, and which is what my concern even when you lost range from your bicep training alone, when you lose range, you lose function. You lose strength. You may increase hypertrophy, but you're losing strength and function and increasing injury incidence. So I would encourage you to aggressively return to full range Okay. I, I would be um, encourage you to be very progressive in your load return. You don't need to to rush the load back. I think you've overrated your role of your biceps. And I'm, I don't, as I said, I haven't seen a picture of you. I'm just talking out loud here. Um, so, generally speaking, rehabilitation range is pretty important. And then also uh, the uh, because I was using the preacher curl. Um, I always seem to feel like that was an uncomfortable position for my, when I was doing curls. And I've tried to work on the, the, I guess what I was considering the lengthening of that through the preacher curl. And I don't know if that was doing me any, doing me more harm than it was good. Well, so was it the bar that was causing discomfort or the apparatus? The bar. I think the, maybe the angle of the the bar, the hand position on the bar. So you understand originally there was a straight bar and then the forearm discomfort was, was present so that the, the easy go bar was introduced, etc. Yes. The challenge with the bicep, I find, is, is and I, I suffer from the same thing in that I have discomfort. Um, with the with the bar straight or EZ. Mm -hmm. the, the, yeah, and I, I have discomfort with the straight bar as well. I, I just um, probably even a little bit more than the easy bar, but I still have the discomfort with the easy bar. Exactly. The the, the challenge with the the bicep curl is that the nature of the of the, the the biomechanics of that joint is that there's a real discrepancy in in the force curve and the load potential. So at, at at peak load, you know, at, um, so 
90 degree elbow angle halfway through the range, we're incredibly strong relative to our strength uh, capacity at full length. And if we are pursuing load and overload at our peak angle, and we take that down to full stretch, then we're going to cause ourselves uh, micro tearing over time. So people look for solutions, and the solution for many is to just limit the range, just use less range, because then I won't hurt, I won't have that strain at full length. Well, you're accelerating, you're shortening, and you'll tear earlier. Um, and my solution is use less weight. <laughs> now, and use full range. Now, I know I'm not being popular, but this is what I say to athletes. You're going to be retired for a long, long time. I'll let you go and do the guns afterwards. You don't need the guns now. We, we don't do much arm training. And I know this isn't going to be popular because there's been a few people in, in, in our lifetimes who have made themselves real popular on the basis of their arms and their arm training. And that's really good if you want to be a closet bodybuilder. But it's really damaging if you want to be an athlete. Right. And when I was um, still playing in sports, even in college, like our strength coach wouldn't let us do, they wouldn't prescribe strict bicep or curls or anything like that. We weren't allowed to do that type of stuff. It wasn't for myself. It was years after my playing days of actually still playing the sport that I think that it got into a little bit more of a bodybuilding type regimen, you know, just lifting for hobby and strength and general strength training and overall maybe appearance as well. Yeah, no, and I, I, I agree with that. I, I, you've done the right thing and they've done the right thing. They've kept you out of the arm work in, in your playing career and in, in your retirement ages, you've gone and you've gone and buffed your guns. That's mm. fair. So my challenge to you is this, and if anybody, you can buff your guns in a safe way. If you just take the shortcuts to buffing your guns and don't think about it, you'll get buff guns, but then you'll get, you'll, you'll get torn guns as well. Correct, and yeah. Then everything's pretty much in mute. You can develop more than adequate arm size and appearance um, through smarter methods, which includes uh, approaching from different angles, but ultimately still maintaining full range. And if any exercise causes you discomfort at the end of range, then you can't afford to load too much because you're just going to cause the, the micro tearing at the joint uh, we talked about mm -hmm. and end up pivoting to the rupture. So I, I like that what you've just told me, and I'm just saying you can still um, buff your guns. Mm -hmm. But you're just going to have to do it in a more of a thinking way. You, you, if you, number one, you have to value full range. Number two, you have to value stretching. Loading can only occur, number three, in a pain-free environment. And the solution would be a more holistic approach. So, you, you know, you're loading at the three primary body positions, elbow behind the body, elbow beside the body, elbow in front of the body, three primary forearm positions, palm down, palm neutral, palm up. Um, then different devices, you've got cables, dumbbells, barbells, etc. So, you know, there's no shortage, and I spoke about that well into the 90s, of those options. And if you use them, you, you won't be uh, as pursuing on uh, on the loading. But, you know, I understand it's, it's, it's tempting, and the fact that the force curve is so sharp, it's so weak to so strong, that, you know, there's a temptation to just overload the that end of it. And, you know, the choice is yours, uh, not yours, but in yours is in the public to, to choose between health and safety and short-term uh, instant gratification. And that doesn't mean you can't get good guns. It just means you have to be thinking about it a bit more. Right, right.
So I think you had some messages there you ignored. I think you probably had some habits there that weren't optimal. Um, you know, if, if, if I didn't apply my regime of this amount of stretching I'll do before lifting, um, then I, I would probably be, as I say, running around with a waste, you know, the waste paper basket looking to catch my, my bicep but come off the bone as well. That's been a joke of mine for many years. So, you know, it's, it's just a discipline and a habit and a willingness at this point in time to be um, anti-conformist, uh, contrarian. But I was a contrarian before the mid-90s when no one really cared, no one had an opinion. But um, for whatever reason, and one of the reasons I discussed was somewhere during the 90s, the, the switch was flicked and all of a sudden stretching was bad. Um, blah, blah, blah. Right. So, so, so far my takeaways are um, in, in order of importance, number one being stretching. So to make sure that I stretch uh, the proper way and the right way before and then going into the range of motion to make sure that the range of motion is always full and then never loading more, um, never putting the load on until um, there's definitely no pain. Absolutely, which means that you are not going to be overloading in a in a isotonic sense, in a, in a fixed external load sense, like the barbell or dumbbell. You're never going to be overloading each joint angle. And, mm -hmm. you know, different devices like, um, you know, that's why the Nautilus was devised and, you know, different, different um, semi-isokinetic devices have been designed if that's an issue for you, but uh, to, to load at every joint angle. Uh, but you won't use full range in, a, in an isotonic exercise and load it, uh, have equal loading at each joint angle. That's just a reality. Okay. And I personally, for me, the discomfort at the, the full extension um, on a on a preacher bench or similar with a with his head and, and I love the exercise, but I, I respect the limitations. Right. Okay. Makes sense. It's not a lot of fun when you tear, is it? No, it's awful. <laughs> it's been miserable just waiting to to get into where I can start even rehabbing it at this point. So it's been what it's been almost. I'm going on for uh, ten between ten and eleven weeks of not being able to to train. Yeah, and, you know, there's a few people that, that they're going to guarantee to blow their biceps. One of them is a is a powerlifter who who wants to be a pseudo bodybuilder as well, because the, in the deadlift position you're getting a lot of load um, in a full extension, and if you have shortened biceps, you're going to tear your biceps in a deadlift. It's similar, a strong man, you know. Lifting, lifting objects. Um, there's a, a lot of people at, at massive risk, and, and that includes contact athletes or anybody who's shortened and then want to load at, that, at the full length. So there you go, some insights. And as I said, 40 years of, um, of training and helping others, and um, that's been an observation that the tears are becoming more epidemic, and it, it, it's a choice. We, it doesn't need to happen. We can prevent it. And uh, if it does happen, well, the same strategy is going to be used to rehabilitate it anyway. Right. Yeah, well, hopefully but, uh, that's Sorry, Justin. No, go ahead. I, I was just going to touch real quick on the deadlifting. So I've, I, I used to do a lot of heavy deadlifting as well. So that could have, um, could have played a role there. Um, well, no, deadlifting itself won't, 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 doesn't shorten the biceps per se. But what it does is places load at a full, at full range. At so full range. So I actually like the deadlift because it, the deadlift will keep your forearm, generally speaking, relatively long. The risk is if you already have a, a, an existing shortened bicep or you shorten your bicep, um, let's say you went and did a set of bicep curls and then went and deadlifted, that'd be pretty scary. 
Yeah. But no, the, then the thing itself does doesn't doesn't shorten the bicep per se. It just places load at full extension. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I wasn't getting that to the that it shortened the bicep. I was just wondering about the load at the full extension. Oh yeah, load risk is massive. Load the risk in, if you've got a shortened biceps and you're deadlifting heavy, you're 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 a substantial risk. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I certainly appreciate the opportunity to talk uh, openly about injuries that are affecting so many. Yes, thank you. Uh, it, it's uh, it's given me a lot of perspective. Um, it's helped me a lot as well. And um, the your your staggering number of 40 years with no no injury there is very impressive to me. I'll, I'll never forget that one. I tell you, if, if I so much as sense someone's hurting in that area, I, I, I'm I get real paranoid. And you know, you might say that's soft and all that sort of bullshit, but. Um, you know, I think my track record shows that there's a lot of people running around the world holding holding little shiny objects that uh, or big bank accounts that suggest that the outcome's pretty good. Um, I, I just refuse to allow anyone to get hurt on my watch. And yeah, um, yeah I'm, I'm in a state of shock at the incidents that we're seeing. And I, I enjoy being involved in it because I learn from it, but I don't, you know, so I like talking to you. But I, I, I wouldn't want to be in it uh, personally. And I'm, as I said, I'm not immune. We're all, we're all at risk. Um, but I wouldn't want to be it from a coaching perspective. So, yeah, it's um, I will I will remove someone from training, as in stop them from training really quickly, if I think there's any any um, anything at risk. And you know, when we get into hamstrings and things like that, that's another one that gives so many signs, and yet people ignore the signs and they keep going. They're not surprise, surprise, pop. You know, the hamstrings are ripped off the bone. But that's another discussion. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, Justin, we might see you again uh, on the road. Uh, you said we touched base in Canada last year, or not sorry, in 16, and um, I'll be up there again in uh, October this year. Oh, yes. I'm, I'm planning to hopefully make it this October, yes, so hopefully I will I will see you again this year. And then you will obviously be – I'll be in touch with uh, – via email and things like that. I'm looking to – my time will free up here where I can get started in my level two here soon as well. Excellent. And I'm also doing a seminar up in Ohio in August. So in about six weeks' time, I'm doing one there. I think it's an in-house one there. Up. It's Sport in Athletics. In Ohio? Oh, in Columbus. Sport Athletics? Yeah. Okay. I'll have to get, you'll have to get the details on that. I could probably make it up there. Well, you have to talk to JL. JL's um, uh, putting it on for his people. So um, as long as you get JL's approval, it's... Okay, I can do that. Chat to him because it's not an open seminar per se, it's an in-house. Got it, okay. I know some people that I, I've never met JL personally yet, I don't think, um, but I know several people that know him. Well, he's got a bicep story to tell as well. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, have to ask, we'll have to ask him about that. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Quite, it's, quite, a, it's quite a, like, it's funny as it can get, but, um, you know, if there's any humor in, in a bicep tear, but, um, yeah, I mean, the mecha mechanics were all the same. It's just the incident was interesting. Uh, enough yeah. said. Yeah. <laughs> well, Justin, it's been a pleasure. All right, Ian, same here. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, and thanks for your insight on, on, on everything. You're welcome, and say hello to your son for me. I will. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Have a good evening. Good talk.